Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. everyone. Great to be with you. Great to be with you online. And just before I got up to share, Tanya just brought a word that really sums up and hopefully will be expressed through my message. Just really sensing in that last song that as we place our faith in God's faithfulness, we'll see His blessing not only in our lives, but washing over generations. And that there'll be breakthrough, renewing, restoration, redemption, and just the life of God in every area. So we really trust that. If you're believing for that, if you felt the Lord ministering to you, even in that song, maybe you weren't alert of it in that moment, but just take hold of it in faith now, because I really believe um, without knowing what song they were singing, what Tanya was going to feel, I'm going to actually pick up on that as we share today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Ruth. That's where we're going to be spending some time, because today I want to speak about faithfulness. I want to pick up what it means to have faith in a God who is faithful. We have our ability to have faith because He is faithful. There's a beautiful scripture in Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 24, not a place we usually go. In the Message Bible, it says this, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I was with my son, Mitch, who's six years old, driving him to seedlings uh, earlier this week, and he said to me, Dad, there's 24 hours in a day. I said, you're right, boy. Sometimes you you wish there was more so you could do more. He said, yeah, I wish there was, and I think he said, 90-something hours in a day. And I said, but you would get so tired if it was like that. And we were talking about that. And suddenly it hit me, even as I was speaking to him, 24 hours. And every morning his mercies are new. We have his grace all the time, but there's something about knowing that. How great is your faithfulness? Continues to say, I'm sticking with God. I'm gonna say it over and over. He's all I've got left. And I love this word faithfulness. I've put it up on the screen for us. In the original language, it's the word pistis. If we can put that up, thank you. It's got two meanings. Actually, number two should be, I should read that first. Number two says this, the character of one who can be relied upon. This is who God is, his character we can rely upon. And the other one, which is number one, it's a belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence in God. That's what faithfulness is. It's because he is faithful, I can have faith in him because of his character. And so what I wanna share about this today is I really feel it's really getting back to basics in a sense. But we're living in a day and an age where there's so much that's competing for our attention, contending for our affection, that's pulling us in every direction. And I want to, in a sense, be like that coach. Have you ever seen those videos when there's a soccer game going on and the one kid gets the ball and suddenly he hears the crowd going crazy and he thinks everyone's cheering for me and he's dodging and pushing and he shoots for the goals only to see the coach shouting on the sidelines, it's the wrong goal. And I want to take a moment to step onto the field and I want to say faithfulness. And we want to say we need to return to faithfulness in the midst of all the competing and contending for our affection and our attention. In Galatians 5.22, it says not only is it faithfulness towards God, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that's called to be visible and expressed through our life. Something that's called to be tangible. Goes on, continues to say, if you read in Galatians 5.22, that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace 
and forbearance and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Never set the law above these qualities. They are meant to be limitless. We get to live in a faithfulness, an expression of it that is limitless. Nothing can be placed on top of it as a ceiling or cap it off. It's this unlimited potential that we have because of the faithfulness of God. So let me give you some thoughts as I speak on faithfulness. True faithfulness does not waver when my expectations aren't met. True faithfulness does not waver when my expectations aren't met. True faithfulness is not compromised by comparison. Lord, are you faithful because they have got that and I haven't. True faithfulness is not compromised by that. True faithfulness is not tempted by time or worn down by time. True faithfulness is not moved by the mood that I'm in. I saw a lovely uh, little meme and it said this, we are, people are a lot like pot plants. They need to be watered and have sunshine. We've just got more complicated emotions. I just love that. You know, the truth of it is that we do have these moods that affect us and shift us. But true faithfulness is not tempted or moved by time or by our moods. And here's the thing. True faithfulness, I've got to live it out before I preach about it. Something I've got to live out. I will tell you honestly and vulnerably, yesterday, while I was buying the shirt, because I haven't been dieting like I should have been in COVID, and I had no shirts to wear, and I went on a search, and I got into... And, I, and I'm not proud about this, I really am confessing it. I got into the store and I walked in and this guy was lambasting the staff. And I went into the change room and the guy was, a, the, the, the person helping me was apologizing and I went into the room and, um, and I heard this guy lifting his voice and swearing and I came out of that store like I shouldn't have come out of that store. There wasn't patience, kindness, forbearance, not much faithfulness showing and I reprimanded this, this gentleman. And I drove away and I felt terrible. And I'm preaching on this, in this shirt to redeem it from the way I behaved. But I um, don't know why I'm being that honest in this moment. Uh, because you've got to live it out before I preach about it. True faithfulness does that. You see, faithfulness is doing in advance what really only makes sense in reverse. Uh, uh, Philip Yancey says that statement. Faithfulness means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. You know, it's easy to give uh, once you have won the lottery. It's easy to do things in reverse. But how much of us are giving before the company gets listed on the stock exchange or before we see the breakthrough or before we see the generous provision to us? How many of us are in faithfulness giving, not just out of overflow giving? It's beautiful to give out of overflow, and we love that. But there's something about faithfulness that we need to be aware of. And at the core of faithfulness, it's believing and it's doing in advance because we're placing our trust and our confidence confidence in one whose character is able to carry those hopes and that trust. That's the, the working of it. And so I want to jump into Ruth, and this is the canvas that's going to paint a picture of faithfulness. And I love when we get to come to a book like this, because we allow the Word to preach itself. Uh, I love that we come to harvest or maybe come online so that we might be fed through the preaching, and I trust and I hope that you are, but even better than that is that you are equipped through what we're sharing, that you can come to God's Word and it can preach to you itself, because listen, if you will listen, you will hear as we come to God's Word. So let's just jump in and pull out a few things and principles of faith. Here's a disclaimer before we get going. I'm going to preach on faithfulness, and I trust that we're going to be encouraged towards that. But I want to say this, don't misinterpret what I'm saying and misplace foolishness for faithfulness. 
If you are in a work environment and there is corruption going on and things that you know do not line up with who God is, then it's not faithfulness to stay in and stay involved, it's foolishness. If you are in a relationship that's abusive and you're thinking, when I get married, this will change, I will say, that is not faithfulness, that's foolishness. And we can trust and we can believe and we can walk with you. But that is, I'm not saying faithfulness at the expense of godly wisdom. But let's jump in and see what I am saying. So if you can open your Bibles, we're going to go to Ruth 1. Ruth 1 verse 1. Let me check my time. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. There's something that gets painted here that shows us the, the situation, it shows us the symbolism, and it shows us the predicament that was going on. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. That's the time period, and that's the situation. It's famine. Then we see, we go a bit further, and we discover a bit more in verse three. Sorry, I don't have it on the screen. Um, Naomi loses her husband, her husband dies. Then we go into verse four and we see that she loses her two sons and she's left with her two daughter-in-laws. So what do we have now? In the first four verses, we see that there is famine and we see that there is loss. This is the backdrop to which we're gonna look at faithfulness. And have you ever been in that place before of famine where it feels dry, where you feel uncomfortable, where everything feels a little bit scorched, where you don't know when the next is coming from? because of what is taking place in your situation and predicament? Have you been in that place to move on of loss? That place where you're in a situation where you are at a loss for words. There's no wisdom that you can offer. When you're at a loss of emotions, where you, you've got nothing left, you're so depleted. When you're at a loss for everything and anything you could grab to make this situa situation work out. Maybe you found yourself in a similar predicament that Ruth is finding herself and at this moment. Another thing is also taking place. This is one of three books in the Bible where you don't see God speaking directly. You don't see him speaking and the spirit coming upon a prophet or him sending an angel or you don't actually see him speaking directly. So we see in this passage that there's famine, that there's loss and that there's silence. But here's what I wanna say and here's what is modeled through the faithfulness of Ruth even in this story, that even in the midst of famine and even in the midst of loss and even in the midst of silence, God can orchestrate something beautiful through your faithfulness. It's actually called, this book is called one of the most beautiful short stories ever written. It's recognized as being such. And so there's something that outworks of beauty through the faithfulness of Ruth. One, let's go to verse eight and we do have this on the screen. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, in the midst of famine, loss and silence, said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. She's saying, I'm giving you a way, a way out here. Go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your, to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye. And they wept aloud and said to her, we'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi keeps pressing this, giving them another opportunity. Verse 11, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I gonna have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? 
Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. In the midst of famine, loss, and silence, we can feel the Lord's hand has turned against us, but we might be in the middle of the situation, and he makes all things beautiful in this time, as we're gonna see unfolding here. So she's saying to them, from her perspective, there's no hope left, there's no way out, so take the safe way, the easy way, the path of least resistance. Here's what I wanna bring to you as we talk about faithfulness. Right before you ever make a decision of faithfulness or faithlessness, a decision will present itself to you. Right before you ever make a conscious decision of faithfulness or faithlessness, a decision will present itself to you. They come when you're not expecting. Here's the moment that it arrives for them. Verse 14, at this they wept aloud again, then Orpah, and I'm sure at some stage I'll call her Oprah, but then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. I love that because the word they clung to, it's the same that we see in Genesis when it says that a husband and wife cling to each other. It's a covenantal, faithful, committed choice and purposeful clinging to. That's what's happening. The one kisses goodbye, the other clings to. There's a picture of faithlessness and faithfulness that starts to unfold. So Ruth clung to her. Now you've got to understand You've got to look at the context of what's taking place to actually feel what's going on. Orpah and Ruth are daughters. They're believed to be daughters of a king, of a Moabite king. They were princesses married to this family. And they've got the opportunity to go back, to go back to a land where there isn't famine, to go back to familiarity, to go back to the gods that they knew, to go back to the comfort of the palace. They've got the opportunity to go back, and that is, that is tempting. Orpah takes the opportunity, but there's something about Ruth that where she chooses, I'm not going to take the path of least resistance, the safe way, the easy way out. You see, faithfulness will present itself in a way that makes sense in the moment. Faith, sorry, faithlessness, I think I said faithfulness, I apologize. Faithlessness will present itself in a way that makes sense in the moment. You can think, you know, I should take this route. It's gonna be the easiest, least resistance, as I say. And that's how faithlessness pitches up. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, this is her response, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. She's saying, no, I'm not going that path. I'm not going what makes common sense or the, the path of least resistance. I'm gonna stick here. And there's something I love about the Old Testament is it always gives meanings to names that helps you to understand what was happening. If you look at the meaning of Orpah's name, Orpah's name mean nape, means nape of the neck or stiff neck. You know what the nape of your neck is? It's when I turn around and you see the back of my neck because she turned around and she left. Gave a kiss goodbye, and there was the nape of the neck. And then it also means stiff neck, because it means this. When you've got a stiff neck, you can't, you've got to turn your whole body. You're restricted in your field of vision. It means you cannot fully understand the moment or your surroundings, because you have a limited perspective to only see what's in front of you. You see, Orpah was in the midst of that moment. She couldn't see the wider picture of what God was wanting to do. But here's what Ruth's name means, and I love it, it's my daughter's second name, and uh, these are some of the reasons why we chose it. It means compassionate, it means friend, and I love this, it means a vision of beauty. There's something about Ruth and her faithfulness. That's a vision of beauty. But there's something more than that that I wanna say. 
When we know with an organization, if you've got a vision statement, it's saying this, we're not quite there yet, but we've got a vision to get there, and we've got a hope to accomplish that. So despite the famine, despite the loss, despite the resistance, despite all that's going on, in the midst of that, Ruth still had a vision for beauty. She was seeing something else that no one else saw, that no one knew was what was happening within her because within her there were seeds of faithfulness. And seeds of faithfulness paint a different vista than what you would otherwise see. When you go upstairs and you see what's happening with the kids, you put the black lights onto that painting that they're doing and it all pops out, the colors that were hidden. You see faithfulness, when we are carrying that seed of faithfulness in us, it paints a different picture. And so this is what's happening here as we look at her and Orpah couldn't see it. So here we see something about faithfulness. We jump into Ruth 2 verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite, it says. It's quite interesting. It's always reminding you in a sense, kind of tempting. You're a Moabite, you're a princess. Aren't you taking that into consideration? And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind everyone whose eye and, uh, behind everyone in whose eyes I find favor. And you think, how's that fair? Orpah's headed back to the comfort and to the palace and to availability of everything she needs. And here you've got Ruth who is faithful, and Ruth is saying this very next chapter, she's saying, no, let me go and pick up the leftovers. And you think, but Lord, how, how does that work? The scraps. And you see, you, we need to recognize that we're tainted by the culture that we're surrounded by. Ruth was living in a different moment, in a different season, with a different expectation and different approach to what was going on around her. We live in a day and an age where we caught up and we, we thinking, you know, microwave culture, I want it instant, I want it now, I want it quick, I want it fast, I want it just like I want it, I want a 3D printer. We're living in a culture that gets offended when it takes too long. And some of our culture is offended just because I mentioned the word offended. But, but Ruth lived in a different day and an age where it says she was eager to pick up the scraps because she saw things differently to what they saw. She saw beauty beyond the scraps and the leftovers. And so she was able to go to a place where the scraps look like supply and the leftovers look like provision because she had a, a lens of faithfulness. And so she was able to walk and to, to pick up and to carry. It's a vision for beauty. And so it's the sense of saying, I have the ability to believe and do in advance what will only make sense, I've said, in reverse. And she's empowered to rise above her circumstance because of that and to start to see her faithfulness worked out. Verse three, then it goes, and here's the turning point that I love. It says this, can you put it on the screen? Verse three, as it turned out, won't you say to the ne person next to you, as it turned out, as it turned out, it's this thing, it seems like um, just a surprise, just a surprise happening by chance, but you start to see the destiny woven in. As it turned out, she was working in a field that belonged to Boaz. You see, faithfulness means I'm not worried about what I don't have because I know that I've got a conviction and I'm caught up with what I do have. I'm gonna be faithful with that which is entrusted to me. And so I can be in a dreaded job and I'm not thinking, oh, where is God in this? How come the situation has turned out? It's because I have a sense of faithfulness that God is gonna work in my situation. I'm gonna be faithful with the job that I have and as I work in it, as it turns out, I meet someone or opportunity 
opportunity arises where I get to see the fruitfulness and faithfulness of God outworking in my situation. It means that I might be in that place where my marriage looks doomed, and that might seem like there's no turnaround, but I meet a couple in my faithfulness to walk it out and to seek counsel and to see how I can bring uh, God's best for the marriage. We, we meet a couple, and that couple is able to speak into it and invite us to a church and to a marriage course. And as it turns out, our marriage ends up stronger than it was before. There's something about faithfulness that when we carry it in the midst of dire circumstance and situations, God is able to do something beautiful. And we need to catch a vision for the beauty that he is wanting to work. Because here's Ruth, and she's on a dead end road to lack. But in the midst of that, she comes onto an on-ramp to the faithfulness of God's provision. She's on a dead-end road to lack, but in the midst of walking at faithfulness, it's actually an on-ramp to the provision of God because she sees it through a different lens. Let's look at verse 11. Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. You see, he's saying this, I notice. Many of us don't feel seen. Many of us are trying to walk faithful, but we feel like we're failing because we believe we're not seen or noticed and it hasn't worked out quick enough. You see, Boaz is a picture of, of Jesus here, kinsman redeemer, and he's saying, I've noticed, I've seen, and I'm just so grateful. Uh, I got told by one of the camera crew as I came in, please ask people to volunteer for the cameras because we're running a bit short. And I just love that when I look at Sunday school and what's happening there, when I look at youth and just see the life here on a Friday night, when I look at the life groups and just people connecting and hear the testimonies, when, I, when we see all these things, maybe we don't always say it, but I wanna say God notices your faithfulness and serving and leading in those areas, and I wanna say we notice too. We're grateful. We just, so, can we give the team a hand? And we just appreciate them. I think three cameras and one person manning it at the moment. Well done. That is skills to be able to do that. And here's Ruth. She's probably at a, bake, a breaking point, picking up scraps. And Boaz comes and says, I noticed your faithfulness. Ruth 2 verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, it's so important that we know where the reward comes from. Uh, is that verse 12? Have I got that wrong? Oh, no, I've just got a little bit further. That's great. It's so important that we know where the reward comes from. You need to know where your blessing comes from, and you need to know where your faithfulness is toward. You need to know where your blessing comes from, and you need to know where your faithfulness is toward. Because let me tell you, if you don't, you're gonna be looking for your reward by the amount of followers you have on Facebook. Or you're gonna be looking for your reward and the gratification that comes as someone likes or puts a heart or puts a comment on your Instagram profile. You're gonna be looking in those places if you don't know where your reward comes from and if you don't know where your faithfulness is toward. We've got to, when we do know that and when it, we find it in the Lord, as said in the scripture, that's where we find true growth and health and joy and the provision of everything we need. And Mother Teresa says this. Rob Reed said, listen, George, you have to have one point we can take away. Here's the one point I wanna leave for you uh, this morning amongst many. You beat me to it. God has not called you to be success, uh, successful. He's called you to be faithful. 
Many of us need to go through a mind shift because we're trying to see how we can be successful, how we can get to the top, how we can achieve what no one else is achieving. And he's saying, no, I just want you to be faithful. Be faithful with what you have. And in the midst of being faithful with what you have, I can give you more. And this statement doesn't draw much applause. It gets a little bit quiet in the room because it goes and it cuts against everything we raise to believe. Because we think success is in our doing rather than our being faithful to what God has entrusted to us. C.S. Lewis says this, if we can put the next one up. It is not your business to succeed, but to do right. And when you have done so, the rest lies with God. It is not your business to succeed, but to do right. And when you have done so, the rest lies with God. I'm not saying, I mean, it's wonderful to have success. It is, it's wonderful to have significance, but it comes in walking out our faithfulness. It doesn't come before that. It's not the pursuit that outworks to that. Because Matthew 25, verse 23, and every Christ follower loves to believe they're gonna stand before Jesus one day and they're gonna hear this, well done, good and rich person. No. I hope you were shocked when I said it. Well done, good and influential person. No. Well done, good and faithful servant. So it should shift our hearts a bit. And I'm so thankful for this that I don't have to live in comparison to other people's success. I don't have to look at other churches and compare and think, am I being successful? I don't have to look at other pastors and think, am I successful in comparison to them? I don't have to look at other fathers and thinking, am I um, successful in, in my, that comparison? Or to other husbands? No. I've just got to know, am I being faithful with what God has given me in my finances, in my relationships, in my husbanding, in my parenting? Luke 16 verse 10 says, he who has been faithful with little will be given much. And so I want to just release some of you today. I want to release some of you that have felt the burden and the weight of this world resting upon you. I want to just take a moment so that you can feel that drift off you, that you don't have to measure up. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to be bigger, better, stronger, faster, better looking, cleverer than anyone else around you. You don't have to be any of those things. Don't carry a weight that this world is putting on you. But I wanna encourage you to live by a conviction and a confidence of, to, of being faithful with what God has already given you. It's not trying to think I need to achieve that so I can practice faithfulness. What's God given you now? Because as you're faithful with that, you can be trusted with more. Verse 12, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord. You see, faith is richly rewarded. The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Well, how do I, what is the key to being faithful and how do I walk it out? When I find myself under the wing, the refuge, the covering of his faithfulness, it allows me to stand up straight and get a clear vision and then I can be faithful in my parenting, faithful in my workplace, faithful in my relationships because I am under the covering and the refuge of the one who is always faithful. And even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself, and that's his character. And so that's how we work it out. Verse 15, and she got up to glean, and Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves, don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks from, uh, for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned. You see, faithfulness is not laziness. 
Faithfulness is not, I've been faithful, so I'm gonna just sit back and God, you must make it happen. Faithfulness is not saying, Lord, I made the right decision, so you must give me a job, and then I never submit any job applications. You see, faithfulness is, is heart, but it's also feet and hands and actions. It has action to it, it's an outworking. She got up. It's the Hebrew word, if we can put it on the screen. It means to arise. This is what it means to get up. When you look at the original language, it means to arise, to become powerful, to come onto the scene, to be proven, and to maintain oneself. She arose to gather and to pick up. And I love how that unfolds, because what you see here is as she got up to glean, comma, Boaz gave orders to his men. Boaz didn't give the order until she got up. And when she got up, he saw something about her when she arose. He saw something about the powerful way that she approached what she had to do, the way that she pitched up on the scene. And when he saw this in her, he was impressed by her faithfulness and wanted to honor her and see her rewarded. And he said to the men, as she got up, do this. You see, there's a response to faithfulness. It has its reward. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, if we can put it on the screen. Paul says this, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. You see, there's an enablement from God. He has enabled me because why? Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You see, there was something about faithfulness that God rewards and enables so that we can walk in what he's called us to do. But it outworks from faithfulness. And so I wanna end with this. There are two seeds. There's the seed of faithfulness and the seed of faithlessness. And this is my encouragement to you. You're always sowing the seed of one or the other. And most often, it's your tongue that is the shovel that is digging the ditch of the seed that you are sowing. What are the words that you are speaking? What are you declaring over your family? What are you speaking in your situation? Is it faithfulness or is it faithlessness? We see this unfolding in the story and it's always one of the two. And they always bear fruit. Don't think I'm not gonna sow anything. You're always sowing one or the two and they always bear fruit. And it's time that brings the fruit around. And let me say, with faith, faithlessness, the fruit springs up quick. Have you ever weeded your garden, planted some plants and they just stay small and the weeds 30 centimeters in a day? You think, what's going on here? They sprout quick. But faithfulness takes time. That's why it says in Galatians 6 verse 9, do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, the appointed time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. If you remain faithful, you will reap a harvest. That's what it is saying. So the first seed we see planted by Ruth is the seed of faithfulness because she clung. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. I, there's this faithful, committed, covenantal relationship. And this is what it says in verse 13. This is the fruit of it. So Boaz took Ruth, watch this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Verse 16. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the woman living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we know of that lineage, we get Jesus. I mean, that's beautiful. She had a vision of beauty that went beyond her circumstance and blessed generations because of the choices she was willing to make and the seed that she was willing to sow of faithfulness. Here's the thing. You might, when you start to sow seeds of faithfulness, you might never see their full fruition. 
but your generations will. Your generations will. You might see the start, but not the fruition. You see, I'm reaping the fruit of the seeds of faithfulness that my father sowed. He doesn't get to see just the beauty of what the harvest community has become, the life, the vibrancy, just the richness of community that we have. He, he didn't get to see that here. He does as part of the cloud of witnesses as he cheers us on in the race that we're running. But he didn't get to see it all here. We don't always get to reap the seeds of our faithfulness. Generations do. But many of us are reaping the seeds of faithlessness of previous generations. And the way that you change that around is you make a choice and a decision to start to seed, sow seeds of faithfulness that cancel out faithlessness. That's some of the greatest things you can do for your generations that will follow. And the greatest thing your faithfulness may ever accomplish, you may never accomplish. You may never do it. But it's bringing blessing as we sang that song, as Tanya felt impressed upon her heart, upon the generations that follow. Now look at Orpah. I've always known the Jesus one. You might have heard that before. This one was new to me. You might have heard it, but I was surprised by this. Orpah sowed seeds of faithlessness. She showed the nape of her neck. She turned around. She headed in her own direction. She was stiff-necked. She kissed Naomi goodbye, and she headed off. But you know, if you step out of the Bible, step out of the book of Ruth, and you look through the, the historical Hebrew manuscripts and, and those writings, and you can do it yourself, um, you will find the lineage of Orpah. Can I, she had four sons. She went back, she got married, she had four sons. Let me read them to you. Her sons' names were Ish, Benob, Saf, Lami, and Goliath. Let that sink in for a moment. Ruth was faithful and gave birth to David. Orpah was faithless and gave birth to Goliath. Here's the beauty. As we make the switch to faithfulness, the seed of faithfulness will always destroy the seed of faithlessness. David destroyed Goliath. And let me tell you, faithfulness doesn't stop there. It uproots faithlessness wherever it can. Because we continue to re read in 2 Samuel how David went out and he killed the other giants with his mighty men, the other brothers. And there's something about faithfulness that turns what looks like leftover into blessing. And there's something about faithlessness that looks at immediate gain and thinks I'm gonna go after this, but it turns out to be giants of contention and adversity in your life. So my question is, what are you sowing to? And many of us now find ourselves in a place where we're spending the majority of our time slaying giants that are the result of other people's choices. Maybe it's generationally we battled with depression and anxiety and fear, ridicule and shame, seeds previously sown. But we have the ability through the enablement of God's love and His Spirit to start to make choices of faithfulness based in His faith that turn the situation around, give us a different lineage and generation and legacy, one that gives glory to God, one that is enabling the life of Christ to come in every situation as we see from the line of Ruth. And it's because this, in the midst of it all, she had a vision for beauty. She had the ability to see something in advance that could only be made sense of in reverse. She was faithful for, with what she had. She wasn't seeking success, but faithfulness. And so that's my encouragement to you today. Be faithful with the finances that you have, and true blessing will come from God. Be faithful 
in your marriage relationship and in your covenant, and true blessing will come from God. Be faithful in your parenting, and true blessing will come from God. Be faithful, because when Jesus comes back, he said, will I find faith? It's not looking for wealth. It's not looking for treasure. It's not looking for any of that. Faith. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that we we get to be what you've called us to be, which is an expression of you. That we can live full of faith because you are faithful. I thank you, Lord, that even when we've slipped up and we are in faithlessness, that you remain faithful because you cannot deny who you are. We thank you for your character. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. But even more than that, we have grace in every moment, step, and breath because we get to live and move and have our being in you. Lord, I pray that you would refocus our eyes to see and catch a vision of beauty, that we wouldn't be caught up in comparison and what we have or have not, but Lord, we would be faithful with what you've entrusted us. And Lord, I pray that even as we start to do that, Lord, I thank you that faithlessness will be uprooted, giants will be removed, and we will start to see the blessing of your life come down in every moment, in every action, and in every family and generation. We declare that over us. We declare that over the children. We declare that over seedlings. We declare that over our our households. And Father, we don't just want to receive that ourselves, but Lord, we want to see that outworked in our community and in our city. We pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus, and together we say amen. 